They don't think it be like it is, but it do. Leanne, don't tell Roshan to shut the fuck up. That's the bad word. Yes. You're mean. Yes, mother. Hey everybody, what's up? Good afternoon, good evening, good night, good morning, good wherever the hell you are. It is currently 8.38 p.m. on the 4th of July, which means at any moment fireworks are going to start exploding out of the ground everywhere because this is Murica. Anyways, I am getting ready to head up to Soraya's for my appearance on Where Did the Road Go? I think we're recording two episodes. I'm not sure. Gwendolyn's going to be up there, and I don't know when you're going to hear this, but chances are you've probably, the show is already over with. I was going to be, or am going to be, or will going to to be however the hell you want to put it streaming it off of my phone onto my facebook page as we do the show probably anyways um probably no new shows for the next couple of weeks because my schedule right now is just become instantaneously insane there's really no other way to put it i've got a bunch of junk going on that i have to take care of and my weekends are packed lobo is still busy with dance stuff so there is new shows coming in july we're just trying to tag down the dates and everything for them in the meantime i know i did not drop a best of last week and i apologize for that and i almost did not do one this week, but I'm going to drop episode, I think it was 63. Our friend Seth Browder was on here. He was going under his other assumed name for writing purposes of Shushtioso. And uh, since a lot of people haven't heard of the haven't heard the old shows, I'm going to drop this one up there. Um, we're going to have Seth on here again pretty soon. We're just trying to tag down a date and hook up with each other on the phone about what he's doing these days. He's an old friend of ours. He's a really good friend of ours, and we love the guy dearly. But um, yeah, as, as with all these old episodes, the audio quality sucks. Uh, the microphones weren't as good. My editing skills weren't up to par. And, you know, we were still, like, you would think at 63 we knew what we were doing, but I go back and listen to these old shows compared to how they are now, and I'm like, oh, my God, whatever. But uh, nonetheless, it's a good show. It's a lot of fun, and I'm going to repost it for you guys. Everybody have a good holiday, or I hope you had a good holiday. I hope you blew a bunch of stuff up. Hope you drank a lot of Budweiser, drove monster trucks, listened to Kid Rock, shouted Murica a whole lot, and, uh, you know, whatever. That's just the way we do things here in, in the States. But, um, yeah, that's it. Uh, this is Rojan. Peace out from Detroit. Talk to you all again real soon. Peace. When I look out my window Many sights to see when I look in my window So many different people to be That it's strange So strange You got to pick up every stitch You got to pick up every stitch You got to Pick up every stitch mm-hmm. Must be the season of the witch Must be the season of the witch yeah. Must be the season of the witch Hey everybody, welcome back Um... This is kind of a weird show, how this show came together. We're not going to do... This is our pre-show. We normally do a pre-show and a closing and all that. We're not going to do that this time because this is kind of... um, 
it's an odd episode how this all came together. And being that it's Halloween, it, it kind of fits with the theme of Halloween. And the idea behind it was, is I was, we do our stasis on our spark episodes and I called Lobo up and said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing a stasis episode on witchcraft. And you said, Lobo, screw you, man. I'm doing one for spark. Exactly. So <laughs> we bounced our ideas back and forth about witchcraft. And eventually we just said, why don't we just do a show on different aspects of witchcraft that aren't normally discussed and different beliefs and ideas of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And then we got to talking and we have, Shush here. Shush is a friend of ours through Facebook. We actually recorded a show with Shush once, but it didn't work out well, and we just never aired the show. But we've stayed in contact with our boy here. And Shush is kind of our de facto go-to kind of magic guy because, Shush, you are a practitioner of magic, correct? Yes. And you've got... You're, you're, I'm going to let everybody know up front, listeners up front know that Shush will be back on another time because this is a fascinating guy with a lot of crazy stories. Um, your dad was a monster hunter. You yeah. practice, uh, you do practice different forms of magic. You've been involved with the Rosicrucians. Um, you've got really fascinating, interesting stories, and we love talking to you. Like last time you were on after we recorded the show, we ended up having you on for another hour more just talking about your experiences and your past and stuff. Yeah. So this came along and we said, let's call Shush up and see if Shush has anything to say. So everybody, this is Shush Dioso and he hangs out in our Facebook page. And the purpose of what we're going to do here is we're going to talk about witchcraft as previously stated. So I guess let's get it going with, let's talk about what magic actually is before, before we actually go into witchcraft because magic is the foundation for witchcraft. How does the process of magic actually work? What are the what's the machine, the gears, the nuts, the bolts? What makes the machine go? Me? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Either one of you. Well, well how you know? I, well, you, I, guess, I guess we should start with you because you're both in some way you're both very involved with magic on different levels. Oh yeah, love Yeah, we we have a lot <laughs> in common like that. <laughs> we do. <laughs> to me, magic is the manipulation of energy around you through intention. Really, it's just all about the intention behind being focused on changing energy to manipulate something to get it faster, make it happen, you know, kind of altering things a little bit, a little bit against nature, but not too much. So Lobo, is, is it just the, is it just the belief that you can make something happen by putting, by, by putting your thoughts into it or? In certain aspects, it depends on what particular branch, we'll call it a branch for, you know, lack of a better term at this point that you're practicing in. I mean, practitioners of different forms of magic will utilize different means. There's people who just focus on energy magic. There's people who just focus on ley lines. There's people who just focus on animal magic. Uh, There's people who just focus on sexual magic. And Aleister Crowley was a perfect example of the hedonistic nature of uh, carnal magic. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, you know, can be an extremely powerful form if one believes such things, considering it is the essence of life. I mean, look at where the, the whole thing during the alchemy world where uh, it was looked upon as the homunculi was something that was put forth through a sexual act, for lack of a better term. And mm-hmm. it, was a, it was the creation of a life form, so well, I mean, without the use of a, of a female. You also see uh, sexual aspects in glyph magic where you'll take – well, you'll take all you'll write down on a piece of paper or something that you want and then you'll take all the vowels out of it and you'll just have sigil the letters magic. sigil magic correct i'm sorry and then you'll take all those and you'll make some kind of a symbol on it and 
I, more, you more or less masturbate while you're concentrating on this symbol, and then you – how does it work exactly? I don't remember now. That's See, I'm not a practitioner much, of any of this stuff. That's pretty much it. And then yeah, you, after you're done, you toss the symbol away and you completely forget about it. And I, you're apparently to, yeah. your subconscious is supposed to be what, what makes it happen or something along those well, lines. It's not so much the subconscious. It's that the fact that you put the intent out there and that something is to attach itself to that intent. You're, you're utilizing an outside force to be able to carry on your intent. So that's what I always, in my mind, that's what I always thought magic was. It was the manipulation of the force of will that mm-hmm. you are generating to be able to do that. But I guess it's depends. not. It's, it's many things. Yeah, it depends on what group you're in. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I know. See, I don't want to say I don't know much about it, but then because I'd be lying. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know a lot about it. <laughs> I, 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 I can't really speak for all aspects of it, but in the vast amount of research, quote unquote, that I have done throughout my life, that would probably be the best way to say it. I mean, there are certain aspects of, yes, you do this, you put it out there, your intent is carried through by way of an outside force. There are certain groups of people that believe there are reapers that come through and pick it up. And from that point, they're the ones who make it happen. Um, there's other groups of people that believe there are watchers that are in your in the guise of what would be considered intent that carry on your will. You got to realize that even in the Bible, it speaks of humans as just a little less than angels. Yep. So, I mean, it depends on what you're talking about. I mean, if you're talking about Enochian magic, then you're talking about something that has to do completely with uh, well within the realms of utilizing angels and lesser spirits for your will. That sounds a little scary to be dealing with, though. You know, yeah. it's it's kind of like here, here, here's the power well, been, of the atom. Go, go play around with it. We've been force fed the information that if we do this, then it's going to be bad. But people were utilizing this information long before any organized religion popped up that's a good way to explain it i was gonna say seth how does this tie into what you do how does it well um i've always tended to avoid anything with alistair crowley stuff and sex magic and all that because i don't i don't necessarily think that's the kind of energy i want to put into like really helping other people you know if that's what my intent is and stuff but enochian magic on the other hand has always been very fast scary and successful for me so i'm very cautious (laughs) yeah i'm very cautious with that like that's kind of my last resort if i need help and i feel like i'm not getting it i'll turn to that but it's um very efficient very quickly and i actually don't even encourage people to use it like i'm just like if you don't know what you're doing don't use it (laughs) because because sometimes you're biting off a lot more than you can chew with it. But um, <laughs> Sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most of the time for sure. And it always, I always have a repercussion down the line somewhere. No matter oh, yeah. what I do, you, pay you know, it. yeah, it, it comes back eventually. So um, so it's kind the, of under the concept for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Oh, no, no, no. It's not an equal or it's not an equal. <laughs> no. It's you pay for it. Yeah. It, like, <laughs> you pay for it. You get it back three, between three and ten times. Which yep. you did, so you better brace for impact. Even if it yeah, even if it, it works around with the concept of intent and you're trying to do something good, it still, it still matter. has a you repercussion. Gotta, it's where the term yeah. you got to pay the piper comes from. Yeah, it's very like you give and what are they going to get? So you, like you ask and you're going to give something. It's just an equal, It's like a swap. You just accept that you're going to get something back. 
And so it is definitely my last resort. I love reading about it and I'm really fascinated on how it's how it came to be. And I know a lot of people have one idea about it, but me, I, I just really think that it's been around for so long that no one can really explain its origins and how it was actually brought to us because it's kind of considered more of a holy magic. And so we're not really supposed to, us humans, you know, aren't really supposed to be using that kind of stuff, but it also benefits us a lot, but we kind of pay for it in return. <laughs> so... Well, that'll bring me to the next question of this. Does any of this stuff into the topic that we're talking about of witchcraft? Eh, witchcraft is a blanket term. Yeah. You know, it's kind of crazy. Did I tell you Bravo Channel was just here filming me? What? What? Yeah. No. Um, on Witchcraft <laughs> of the Southwest. That's why I thought your show was kind of perfect for it was so it, well, nothing's really random. But when you guys brought this together with me i was like this is crazy two weekends like in a row so uh, a friend yeah of mine, welcome to archivist that's how we were here <laughs> a friend of mine gifted my book to a guy a producer at bravo well he just loved my book so he packed up everything paid for everything came down to santa fe and for about 22 hours filmed me bringing me all over, introducing them to other witches. Like I even did um, ghost busting with them and stuff. And I mean, it was crazy. It was, it was freaking awesome. So I'm supposed, they're doing a lot of editing on it and I'm supposed to know if they want to make it into a season, hopefully oh, by the sweet. end of the month. So <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. And I've been waiting to tell you guys, but it was like so perfect that you did this. So I'm like, oh, so well now it's on the air or whatever. So but, that's but, great. Yeah. Holy cow. But how I explained witchcraft, because it is a blanket term, because that was basically what that show was about. Because some people get really freaked out when they hear the word witchcraft. And really, they don't even realize that they're practicing it every day. They just have, you know, they call it counting the rosary, you know, so it, it kind of covers so much basis that saying it's it's like a universal term for practicing magic without taking responsibility for the word witchcraft, I guess, if that makes sense. In my head, Absolutely. that totally made sense. <laughs> no, it does. It does. It's, okay. it's, it's a way for them to to push away. Well, the reason why witchcraft has such a negative connotation is because in Europe, uh, during the whole burning times, you know, you had people that were being tortured and killed for not even the people, the majority of the people that were killed or like burned at the stake were just herbalists and natural remedy people. They weren't even like practicing anything yeah. outside of the, they were, there was no conjuring. There was no spell cat, none of that. And those were the ones that were being killed. And well, then here, when it came to the States, we were terrified of it because the Puritans had just come over here during that, from that period and they're like, oh, we're in a new, strange new land. There's some different colored folks swarming around here, and yep. they must be bringing the devil in. Everything yeah. was the devil, and the witchcraft was associated with the devil. Lobo, why don't you go into, we were talking off the air about how you were going to go into various forms of witchcraft and some of the different ones. So I guess this would be a good starting point to go into that. Well, the, the main one that I was going to cover, I mean, outside of, only because it has to do with my roots from where my, my, my people are from was, um, Santeria. And it's, it's very, it's a much maligned version of quote unquote witchcraft. I just see it as more of a, of a, of spirituality, but it's, it's an animistic version. And for anybody that doesn't understand what animis, animism is, it's the belief that everything has a spirit. And that means everything from the smallest petal of a flower to the largest sycamore. Everything has a spirit. And by 
understanding or believing that. Now, I can't say whether it does or not. I know what I've had in my own experience. But if you believe that everything has its own spirit and its own energy, for lack of a better term, you, you're, you're less likely to wander around destroying things. You start to have a better understanding of your role in the world around you. You, you tend to be a little more generous than just believing that we're, a, you know, this, I've said it before, a virus with sneakers just going around destroying everything. You, you tend to try and be a little more respectful of not just other human beings, but pretty much everything around you. And unfortunately, throughout the years, like anything else, there's good and bad and everything. I mean, in politics, you have people that actually want to do something for people and you have people that want to line their pockets. It's yep. the same thing with everything else. You got people that want to use the the negative side of Santeria for their own gains, to be able to hurt people with, to be able to control people with or control a situation with. And unfortunately, if the people that are with you believe that that's what's going to happen, then then it's going to happen. On the on the flip side of that, a lot of Santeria has to do with the connection to the Catholic Church to the saints, to the Trinity. It, it has a lot to do with the indoctrination of Christianity and spiritualism. And unfortunately, it's just, it's been bastardized throughout the years. Like anything else, I mean, when, when, when Catholicism swept through the land with its rape, pillage, and conquer mentality under the guise of God, if they get, got to the Caribbean islands, there were already people there that were practicing some form of natural spiritualism. And you kill enough people, they're going to be afraid of you. So they're going to hide it behind your religion. They're going to say, okay, these Catholics came through. If I don't do what they say, they're going to kill me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a good little boy, and I'm going to wear my rosary, I'm going to wear my cross, and I'm going to have my candles, and I'm going to go to Mass— but I'm also going to have my altar at home, and I'm going to have my my saints on my altar, and I'm going to have my different um, roots of spiritualism on my altar as well. You know, I'm going to have my rosary alongside of my my roots and my my chicken's claw and my my bloods and my different herbs. Uh, it, there's no line of delineation between what they're doing and what they believe. So how does it work? It's again. It's it has to do with intent. It has to do with intent. You're not you're not looking for, you know. You want to be able to say, okay, I'm out in this area and it's, I'm, I'm really feeling down right now. I would like to be able to bring the spirit of happiness and joy within my household, and I'm going to bring certain things inside my house that I think would denote happiness. I'm going to bring in flowers. I'm going to bring in plants. I'm going to bring in sweetly scented herbs, and I'm going to set them up and I'm going to light a candle or a flame, or, or an open flame of any form, and I'm going to place these items into the flame and offer them up to God and ask him for forgiveness and ask him for the help and the aid that I need. And by doing that, you're focusing the intent of, I want to be happy, and you're actually making something happy. Whether or not you're actually, the herbs are doing it, it's it sets you in a frame of reference in your mind that it's going to happen because I believe it's going to happen. This sounds a lot like a lot of Native American spiritualism, which just you have a lot of experience with as well. It's actually really similar to what I was going to talk about with the Kiranderos. <laughs> Tell us. No, I, this, the Kiranderos is fascinating. I've never practiced anything 
with this type of magic before. And I have books that I, I've read through about it. You know, when you just study about something because you're really interested, but there's a, something that is like, you know, I don't know if I want to get involved with this. Well, this is one of those kind of beliefs to me. Like, <laughs> I really like it. Well, I guess I'll start from the beginning here. So the oldest, like, noted papers or um, any documents of it being used that it can actually be verified through books is the late 1800s. When I was kind of trying to find like the history of when it started and everything, it just sounds like it's been here since, you know, the earth was created. <laughs> and so right. I couldn't really find an actual positive time frame, really. I just know that the Aztecs really practiced it and the Mayans, they actually how it was kind of brought into the world more was they kind of made, like my partner explained it, they kind of married the Native Americans to the Mayans and Aztecs, both like Native Americans practice it. Um, Hispanics, it's huge in the Hispanic community here. I have several friends who practice it and they never talk about it. It's like more secret than my secrets. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's crazy. I'm just like, I'm like, that's so bizarre to me. I mean, I guess I understand like you want to keep stuff to yourself, but this is something that it caught my attention for a while until I started seeing that they incorporated a lot of deities from like catechism and, you know, invoking like St. Peter. I'm, I'm all about using many gods and goddesses and deities. But when it comes to the Catholic ones, I'm a little more hesitant with that stuff just because they're kind of been so bastardized, I guess. And they just mean completely different things to everyone. So um, a lot of the um, research that I was finding out about curanderos, the females are called curanderas. But you can, when you're explaining like a couple, like a man and a woman that practice it, you use the word curandero because it's like the masculine Spanish version. They do um, use a lot of elements, earth, air, water, fire. They invoke all the directions with the elements, which I thought was really cool. Their main goal in their beliefs is to cure severe sickness, illness, break curses that may have been put on families, reverse spells that may have been put on somebody. Their intentions are 99% of it was positive. You know, we are here just to help other people no matter what. But then it got kind of dark. I was going to say, this night. doesn't have anything to do with the sacrifice and stuff like that. Or, or, no, know? I didn't see anything about that. The only animal product I did kind of see that they used was um, if somebody's really sick, with a fever, they lay them in a bed, they break an egg underneath the bed, and within the morning, the egg should be cooked and the fever should be gone. Mm -hmm. Their big thing is using herbs, charging them with, let's say, the West, using an, oh, I don't know, um, rosemary, packing it in, making a mud pie, really, adding water for the West, invoking the energy of the West, and the feminine emotion that goes with it. And then you put the person's picture that you want healed on top of it until the mud dries. And then you break the mud apart. And when it does dry and it's supposed to, the pieces are supposed to rip the sickness away from the person. And so it's kind of like, I love some of the, the rituals that they had. I was like, Ooh, this would be fun. But um, on the <laughs> other hand, <laughs> they really do like, well, Columbus kind of f***ed up everything, honestly. So yeah. he really incorporated catechism. And so later on, when catechism was getting big and he was killing people that were 
converting, they started incorporating catechism into their own natural magic and belief system so they would be okay, they would be safe, so they could say, yeah, we're Catholic, but really they they just incorporated some to make it look that way. So this that's why I feel familiar. <laughs> I know it doesn't it. It sounds exactly like what Lobo was just talking about. I really think Columbus f***ed up everything. <laughs> <laughs> so we were having the discussion before we went on the air about how with with Santeria and Voodoo that when they came along these people were practicing what they believed and then all this Catholicism and Christianity comes along and, you know, it's basically like someone's holding a gun to your head saying, you will believe this. So all they did was just alter their religion to appear like it was, no, we're, we're still, we're, we believe in what you believe, you know, see this, this, and this, and this, the same things where, what did I say that, what did you say? I think it was that the, the saints became the Loas or the Loas became the saints. Yeah, right. the Loas within the voodoo uh, practice became the saints. And it sounds a lot like what you're saying here is just, it's kind of like, from what I'm gathering, it sounds like it's similar to Native American folklore, but all they simply did was substitute the things that they were using for their sources of power to more Christian-friendly aspects. Yeah, exactly. And they, um, a lot of uh, Kieran Doe's practice, they believe that the spirit, there's negative spirits on this earth and there's positive spirits. The negative spirits are what attach to you to bring you illness. And so they basically do all these things to like, ban that spirit from the individual because it's more around them rather than in them. That's why I feel like a lot of their stuff that I've read about so far, it seems like this shit is like hardcore and real. <laughs> and it sounds so heavy that it's almost foreign to me as even being considered positive. But, you know, I don't know. I've never really practiced it or used elements quite that way. You know, especially actually using the ground as part. I mean, I've used dirt, you know, and salt from the earth or whatever, but not like creating something. And uh, it, it was it. just, I, I, I know should try it. I just want to dabble with more. <laughs> and it's fun because that's how I got myself in a lot of trouble to begin with. But then it all works <laughs> out, you know. It always like you find what you want, or actually, it, I have to say, it finds you what you need and then the bad just kind of goes away. So I kind of want to dabble with this a little bit and try and pinning first. Up. Ooh, try okay. pinning first. Go out, get yourself <laughs> a blade and put it in the earth and practice around the blade. No way. That's what does that do? Uh, it, it binds you to the ground. I did that in California over the weekend. I put my, I really, I was standing in front of the ocean and something just clicked and I really felt like I was like sinking into the ground. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I was like, wow, my spirit is like naturally grounding myself right now. And I, where I was, I was at the felt. beach on Saturday. Wow. <laughs> standing, watching the storm come in. Wow. I was watching the sunset. <laughs> it was crazy. It was a cool experience. Like weird things like that have been happening a lot lately. You know, um, just when you think that, you know, a lot, it's no. like a lot yeah. of stuff happens to make you realize you really don't know anything. No. Absolutely. Not the minute enough. you think you got a hold of it, you realize you don't know jack shit. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like we're not even scratching the surface. I'm like, oh, my God. Right. <laughs> but it's the it's lack. cool to still be growing forever, you know, in that sense, I think. So right. that's why I love magic and I love practicing magic and doing spells. And even if there's some bad karma I have to deal with, 
for something that I did, I deal with it, you know, but it helps me learn. And I like growing that way. Just keep that so, snowflake obsidian in your pocket. You'll be oh, I love that shit. The Lobo <laughs> Yuri. No, I love that. It's all over my house. Awesome. Hey, everybody. My name is TJ, and I host the 13 Skulls podcast. If you've ever had an unexplainable experience, then you know it's hard to understand. Visit www.the13skulls.com and come with me on a journey to a world that lies just beyond our comprehension. The world of the paranormal. Hey freaks and freakettes, what's up? My name is Sister Stroke, and if you're looking for some old school house, or you just need something to get you moving through your day, then check out my show, Brick City House. We bring the bounce every Wednesday night, 1 p.m. CST, 7 p.m. GNT. And that's right there at chicagohousefm.com. Or you can find us on iTunes. Go to Electronica, scroll down till you see Chicago House FM, honey. We are right there. Take care, everybody, and don't forget, freak free. Hi there, folks. I'm Pastor Recoil, and I'm here to share with you a message about the monstrosity that is the blue waffle. And do you know who else likes pin the tail on the uh, hooker? That was fun. Seder over at the-bunker.net. About the blue waffle, if you've not seen the blue waffle, check out transmissions from the bunker at the bunker.net. It's creepy to listen to and go, Yeah, I remember those noises, right? I suppose we should probably touch on the actual Wiccan concept a little bit because most people, when they say witchcraft, the first thing they want to gravitate to is Wiccan. I had a guy do it at work this last week. I was talking about how we're going to be recording the show, and he immediately brought up Wiccan as the oldest um, yeah. tradition and so forth. <laughs> And then I had a conversation with him. I'm like, well, Wiccan actually isn't that old. It's really only been around since the 1950s and 1960s. And the guy's like, oh, no, no, it's been around for a lot longer than that and blah, blah. I'm like, no, no, not really. kidding me? (laughs) Well, (laughs) people don't know. I mean, the average person doesn't know because they believe they, they don't, they don't. You know, they, they, they've got their problems in life they got to deal with and stuff. Most people don't sit around going, gee, I wonder how long Wicca has been around for. And then you've also got the indoctrination between the church and stuff, which is involved in all this as well. But Wiccan really hasn't been around for that long. Wiccan's okay. kind of a new a new thing on the scene, but it's like where we said witchcraft is a blanket term. Everything just kind of gets tossed into the whole witchcraft thing. And yeah. now it seems to be going that way of Wiccan. where. You're right. It's kind of like somebody could say, well, you know, uh, you're a witch. Oh, you're a Wiccan. And then people that are practitioners of various forms of witchcraft and stuff, they just kind of go, well, no, but that's what you believe. And I don't feel like having the conversation with you. So they just go, yeah, I'm a Wiccan. Sure. Yeah, I do this and that. that. The other problem with that is uh, I have a friend who we were speaking of off the air and she is she's well versed she belongs to a coven now she was she was a sole practitioner for quite a while but she's in a coven now mm-hmm. 
and the coven denotes itself as Wiccan. However, by working with this woman and talking her and giving her the guidance that she's asked for, she is from older magic than even, you know, even that blanket term of witchcraft, you know, uh, Wiccan, because uh, her family comes from a long line of stego witches, and she practices a form of... um, Gypsy magic. Oh, cool. And it's, I mean, she, she's amazing. I call her young one because she comes to me with a lot of questions that I kind of, I don't, I don't want to say, I, you know, like, I don't want to look at her and say, you should know better. But in the same token, I'm like, all right, it's nice to, it's refreshing to see that some people still have questions about things instead of just assuming, well, I have this book and this book says, you know, no, there's other ways around that. There's other information that you're not going to find in a book. You're going to find it by trial and error and from people that came before you. I mean, I don't, I'm not true. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, that's what we were talking about also was how a lot of, a lot of pagan paganry tends to embrace the feminine and just kind of leaves a male out of it completely. Unfortunately, it doesn't. And your response to that was pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to repeat it, but you said basically that's because women can create life, whereas guys can only create stuff that blows up and burns. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. That's hilarious. It is. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's the thing. Most people like, Oh, she's a witch. It's, you know, it's a female thing. Well, it's not because if you're, if you're within a, a practicing, there's a male and female aspect to everything. Yeah, literally right. everything. Any any guy who tells you that they have absolutely no feminine aspects at all is hiding something. And any woman that tells you that she has no masculine traits at all is hiding something. I don't yep. care what you are. I have friends of mine that are pinup models that are drop dead gorgeous, have bodies to die for, and they'd still rather sit around some weekends, you know, and scratch and drink beer. So, yep. you know, to to try and just have the feminine aspect when you're casting a circle or runes you're you're leaving out a huge part of what you're doing and it's going to fall on naught. It's not going to work. You know, you're going to be scratching your head wondering why, you know, your intent was cast to the wind and there's, you know, only part of it worked or or it didn't work at all and, and you know, I'm a complete failure and it's like anything else. I mean, if you're going to make if you're going to make a, a um a chlorine bomb, there's stuff you just can't leave out of that or else it's not going to work. Well, the whole yeah, thing is a reoccurring theme, though. You see it happen yep. over and over again in druidic magic. Everything. I was reading off types of magic off of the air, and I brought a couple of them up. I was talking about Strega magic and Gardanian yep. witch, and uh, there was a whole bunch of hereditary witches, uh, Kalandanti witches. Uh, you know, all these different ones. And we brought up the kitchen, witch. that was another one. We should probably discuss that one, too. But it, it goes all the way through the lines. And then there's the, the, the uh, Dianic witches, which were Dianic witches are thought of as feminists of the magic realm. While their particle, particular craft can be incorporated into just about any religion, it focuses heavily on the divine goddess with little mention of a male deity as if he, if he is mentioned at all. It includes many types of magic, though, with this main feminine foundation to have their own coalition of spells and ceremonies, to which I quickly responded, lesbians, but hey. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like men hating lesbians, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no offense to our lesbian listeners, who we know all of them, so <laughs> yeah, we can crack hilarious. that joke without offending them. 
Yeah. But it's a continuously reoccurring theme that you see throughout the magical realm is that of the feminine, which is also in witchcraft. Even the persecution of witchcraft is witchcraft, which I'll get into in a little bit. Even in the book that I'm going to bring up, it talks in there primarily about feminine witches and, mm-hmm. you know, how this is all a lot of this stuff is exclusively tied to the female. I think it's because of that ability to create life. And like you yep. said, that men just make stuff that blows up, shoots and explodes, you know. It's pretty much it. it. You really look at it, the core of it. What what can a man do? What well, no? What can a woman do that no man can do? Yeah, that's true. Create a life. Mm-hmm. Yep. We cannot create a life, no matter how hard we try as men. We we help and aid the process, but we do not carry that 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 spirit within us. We do not nurture that spirit from our own bodies. We don't do any of that. We can build the tallest skyscraper, the fastest car, the the, the loudest explosion, the most destructive process. The best football teams and the best beer. Exactly. But we, <laughs> cannot, we cannot produce life. Right. That's where a lot of these fertility rituals and stuff yep. comes from. It's all about the fertility aspect of it. It comes down to even, you know, it bleeds into the aspect of having good crops and these things like that. It all comes back to the feminine fertility. We're going off on a tangent here. <laughs> no, and that's fine. And I wanted to throw at that too. Um, uh, you know, my partner is Navajo and um, a lot of Native Americans believe that people – well, back then, you know, people that were gay or bisexual, man or woman, were actually considered their own personal deities because they were kind of the they were both, you know, considered masculine and feminine. And so they were actually really praised and um, gone to for like therapy and stuff like that. Yeah, there was and, a lot uh, of that in the shamanic shamanic aspects too. Yeah, a lot. And um, it's really it's really interesting. It, it's just it was one of the most beautiful stories I ever heard. When he was telling me the story, I wanted to say it was Nakle, which is I I can't I remember what that stands for, but it's a Navajo word. But um, the story of a guy that was basically well both, you know, it's like man and woman or vice versa, and they were just considered this um, higher power because they were blessed with both man and woman aspects. So it was pretty cool. It was really, I don't know when it kind of came, where it seemed like the, even though I love the 50s, I love that era, but there really seems like the 50s kind of wrecked the concept of like (laughs) being gay or bisexual is bad, you know, they kind of destroyed that and took it out. But a lot of the magic that I practice and use, I feel it's easier for me to identify, especially with like, because each direction has a a masculine, feminine, you know, energy and stuff. But I think it's kind of easier for me to identify being gay myself. You know, I can recognize a more sensitive feminine emotion and a more masculine one and how to kind of balance that out. And I'm still fine tuning it after, you know, it's been over 30 years and I still don't feel like I'm a good gay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so it's crazy. <laughs> I like, I just, don't I, don't, I don't feel like a good straight. It's not like you're like a, <laughs> a, 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 a something. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so it's kind of, it's kind of nuts. I'm still learning a lot about everything, but I love the concept of being kind of both. And because uh, nature is both, you know, good, bad, ma- masculine and feminine. So I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of cool that there's other belief systems that acknowledge that. So 
I'm going to take the whole conversation to a completely right-hand turn. Um, sure. Practically, almost literally. And I'm going to discuss something that is kind of always fascinating me because everything we've talked about up to this point, this is where it kind of diverges for me and it's fascinating. Recently, I was down in Pennsylvania for my job and I was driving through the Pennsylvania countryside and I saw on the side of a barn a painting of a pentagram. And I was like, wow, that was really crazy because I was out in the heart of of, uh, of Amish land and, you know, the old country or, you know, in, in the United States. And I posted on Facebook, wow, I just saw a pentagram painted on the side of a barn. And to which Lobo quickly got in touch with me and said, yeah, that's Pennsylvania Dutch hex magic, which I'd only heard a little bit about. I think I saw it in some sci-fi horror movie or something called Witch Hunt, <laughs> something along those lines. And I was How funny. Whatever. But <laughs> Pennsylvania Dutch hex magic, as I've come to check into it, I found it even more fascinating because it goes back to um, – it goes back to something called powwow, which, again, this comes from the George Haman book, Powwows or the Long Lost Friend, which is also be, arguably, we were talking off air, the nucleus of where Wiccan came from. The Wiccan mm-hmm. tradition was arguably brought up from this book. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that's arguably. Lobo disagrees. Yeah. And I don't know any better to say yes or no about it. So yeah, I don't know much you, uh, about it. Throw something in on that, Lobo? Or- well, I don't know it if seems I should like be it's more any- of a vessel to be brought to America where people could read it and go, oh, this is what Wiccan is. Then we'll base our religion off of the uh, stuff that's been see, talked about in this book. The, the books that have been <laughs> written that have to do with quote unquote. With, see, I don't I know so many people that denote themselves as Wiccan and I, I know how they practice. And I'm like, dude, you're not you, you're, you're not drama queens. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, the thing is, is, you know, you, uh, I have a friend that I love her dearly. She's great. She, I grew up with her. She's, you know, she's one of a twin. She has a, a very spiritual base, and she calls herself a Wiccan. And I know why she calls herself a Wiccan, hmm. but I look at what she practices, and I'm like, you're, you're not a Wiccan. You're, you didn't learn this stuff from a book. And that's like saying right. I'm a hippie because I smoke pot. You know, right. Not that I do anymore, but you know, right. I was a hardcore metalhead. I wasn't a hippie. I smoked mad trees. But, yeah. you know, that didn't make me a hippie. You know, it's it's the same thing. Same thing as if, you know, road dr- test drives cars. He's not an engineer. Just because he drives cars doesn't make no. him an engineer. No. You know, but still, yeah. I mean, if I, I don't know if I want to interject with, with that at this point because there's more information about hex magic that I'd rather talk about. Mm-hmm. But... Well, the idea apparently is it was called they, – they referred to it as powwow magic. It was the idea behind it came from the gathering of medicine men or what have you. How it necessarily all fits together, I'm not entirely sure. But the tradition of hex magic, hex work, or I believe it was called spiel work in Dutch Pennsylvania, the idea behind it is that you're invoking the power of God or the power of your religious belief and you're putting these hexes out as a form of protection, like the pentagram that was on the side of the barn, it's, it's comes to be, it's, it wasn't a demonic thing, I, which is my, you know, you see that and you go, Oh, the Motley Crue album cover. Okay. That's, that's evil. Hollywood right, is the yeah, one right. who demonized the pentagram. <laughs> Hot, but, there is, yeah. This, but it's actually, it was a symbol of protection. On, yeah. It always on the has barn been for it, it even, ugh. Oh, Apparently, from what I understand, I know it's so frustrating. Oh, Lobo, I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just. Well, I'm fascinated by it because here you're talking about a form of magic, but in the traditional Christian sense, magic is bad. But here you have a situation where 
all of these spells and these things that these symbols and these these um these things that people are putting out these things that uh that these Dutch Pennsylvania people are doing like when you drive by a house and you see a flag with a pineapple on it that is a form of hex magic that is a, well, a it form means welcome of, yes it's a it's a it's a positive these are all little positive more or less spells. Means. Yeah, the pineapple's there, welcome. Yeah, the pineapple's yeah, there's all kinds welcome. of these symbols like stars and things like that that you'll see on flags and stuff like that. These are all Dutch Pennsylvania hex magic. Well, hex see, spells. it's not. I mean, we need to clear that up right now. It's not actually Dutch. The problem is the term Dutch, Pennsylvania Dutch, when they came here and they settled in Pennsylvania, the actual term that was put on the, the census forms when it was given to them was Deutsch, which means German. Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually mean Dutch. There is no Dutch lineage there. Dutch was out of New Amsterdam or what is now New York. Even old New York was once New Amsterdam. Why they changed it, I can't say. You just liked it better that way. I have Dutch blood. I also have German blood in me, but... Um, you're a, you're a I'm a mutt. Seven I mutt. am a mutt. <laughs> I am you, a claim, mutt. It, you claim whatever nationality is more convenient to you at the time. Well, I don't yeah. have any Polish in me. I don't have any Irish in me. I think I have before, honestly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you get that, sorry. I that do. Was bad joke. I bad do. joke. I'm no, sorry. No, it's, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, wow. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just got me all flapped up. <laughs> the um, I couldn't let it go. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. The um. The hexes that are put on the barns and the hexes that are put on the houses, they're again, they're all focus of intent. Hollywood took the, the form of the pentagram, and I'm going to say pentagram because that's what it is. It's been bastardized, and it's been changed to be less offensive into the pentacle when the star is pointing up and the pentagram when the star is pointing down. Hollywood made that an evil form. Pentagrams are the same whether the point is up or down. And they were used as protection. They were put on cemeteries to keep evil spirits out of cemeteries. They were put on doorways to keep evil spirits out of your house. They're oh. all a focus of intent. It's how it's used is what makes it the way it is. If someone want, I mean, you could take a SpongeBob character and turn it into something evil if your intent is malicious. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, you look at you look at the uh, I, I believe it was an Anasazi symbol of the um, the swastika was an Anasazi oh, yeah. symbol, and it was a symbol for the sun. It was used, it was a cult symbol that the Nazis grabbed onto. They turned it around, and they used it for their own. A lot of the Nazis during that period of time were heavy into mysticism and cult yeah. ritual, and they looked at it like, all right, we need we need a power symbol. And there's no more power powerful symbol than the symbol of the sun. Yep, and so, they call it, the Navajos call that symbol rolling log. Yeah. And because um, um, when you cut um, a piece of wood at an angle, um, it, it comes with that pattern also. So right. it's funny because every uh, native, well, all the reservations here have a different term for that symbol, which is kind of funny. But I like the sun one the best. <laughs> yeah, it just it doesn't it's so it just shows how even in mainstream certain things are taken out of context and warped. Well, even what? in the uh, the pentagram is now is more or less been adopted by the Wiccan sense, or at least people you know they'll they'll put oh, it yeah. here and say yeah I'm a Wiccan. Well, they call it a pentacle, and it's yes. it, there's no it's not 
again, it's it doesn't it's got five points, and the reason why it has five points is because each point denotes a different element: earth, air, wind, fire, and spirit. Right. If if the spirit's pointing up, it happens to be the top of your pentacle or pentagram. Then fine, it's pointing up. If it's pointing down, does that mean you're going to be roaming around in the nether regions? Mm-hmm. I, no, it doesn't. It just it matters on what point you want to use. I mean, earth and fire would be the bottom points. All right. So if they're pointing up to the sky, what does that mean? Does that make it a, a more evil because spirits at the bottom? I don't know, but all this talk about this keeps putting the earth, wind, and fire ban in my head. <laughs> oh, my God, hilarious. <laughs> well, let me get back hilarious. to the hex magic here. Um, it says in here, because a lot of this I've pulled off of Wikipedia, and I've also done some checking up on it to see how it, how much it max, matches up. Uh, also important that powwow practitioner uh, work was done with the sixth and seventh books of Moses, a magical text attributed to Moses and claimed as an esoteric sequel to the biblical five books of Moses, which sounds like a bad cheesy movie. In the, in the, <laughs> <laughs> and then there was that other one, the Pentateuch. Uh, various versions of the work can be traced to 18th and 19th century German sources, while an English translation was published in New York in 1880 by a German antiquarian. So these people that are practicing this this uh, German Dutch Pennsylvanian magic are pulling their their power, for lack of a better word, from biblical sources mm-hmm. and putting it out there. And yep. I found all of this fascinating because when you talk about witchcraft, it always comes back to the classic Christian sense of persecution. And here you have a situation where people are using uh, Judeo-Christian concepts to invoke magic. These are aspects of magic that, okay, this well, they get a pass because they're using Christianity or they're evoking their power from God. But even still, that still can be frowned on in very in various ways, because we were also talking about the Kabbalah off the air, about how that was Jewish mysticism. And I had asked the question, well, at what point does something go from being from being this to this? You know, at what point does something get looked at as witchcraft or does something just looked at as a form of religious magic or faith magic, for lack of a better term? Intent. Intent. Yeah, intent. Because they've also got these really neat things that are called uh, Himmel's briefs, which are basically holy letters. This is also something that's practiced within that community as well. It's uh, in Pennsylvania German community. They are a part of the powwow tradition and contain biblical verses and other charms and assurances that their owners would be protected from death, injury, or other misfortune. The text of these letters was occasionally reminiscent of some contemporary chain letters. Powwow practitioners charged handsome sums for these magical letters and the price they commended depended on the reputation of the practitioner. However, some traditions call it for to be given free of charge, which makes sense to me. But the idea is you would have this letter that was written with biblical verses that would, as long as you had this letter, you would be fine. It would be a form of protection on you. Or if somebody was sick, you would give them one of these letters that was some kind of a magical letter that was written with scripture and you would give it to them. Like if they were sick or they had a fever or something like that, or you were worried about getting sick, you would be giving this letter as a form of protection. And you had brought up Lobo that this is very similar to the Jewish Kabbalah, where for things of purposes of summoning golems and stuff, they would write write these letters. You're yeah, right. it was written on script. And it was put within the it was put within the inanimate body of the golem, and then brought to life. And then that intent, which was written upon the, the uh, script, was put into action. So I, I I find all these things fascinating. Where it's like, well, because in my mind, when I think about things, when when you look at these things in a grand concept, when someone goes to church and they and they say a prayer or they really pray over and over again for something to happen, they're right. more or less without it's realizing intent. It's focus of intent. Well, You're invoking look, magic. Let's you know? look at it. Let's look yep. at it from from a broken down standpoint, and we'll use Catholicism as a as a basis because it's as big. 
It's huge. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, in Catholicism, you chant prayers. You sit and you're, you're, you're given a response. A response is given back within church during mass. The, the, uh, the preacher or the, the priest says something, you respond. The same thing in wife's church, Methodist church. You, the preacher says something, the congregation responds. It's a focus of intent. You pray, yep. you have your rosaries, you have candles you light, and you have incense you burn. And then you have bells that are rung. There is really no difference at all between what is done and quote unquote a religious realm and what is done within the realm of magic in that aspect you have all the same things you if the only thing the only thing that's missing is you don't need a great big pretty cage for people to sit in where god is See, I look at it the church. same way with like uh, the Southern Pentecostal snake handlers. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, right. when, you, when you think about it, because, you know, they're they're handling snakes and they're invoking the power of God to keep them safe from poisons yeah. and from being bitten, things like that. Sure. And when you look at it and you really look at it that way, and you, you go, kind of go, huh? Yeah, I guess so. Of course, if you're bitten and you die, it's because your faith wasn't strong enough, but we won't exactly. go into that here. Well, <laughs> if you sink, you're a witch, and yes, she exactly. gets to be buried She gets to be buried in a Christian cemetery. Well, we're going to go there right now. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing I'm going to bring up here is the Malus Maleficarium, which well, was the book that was, when you think about the witch trials in Salem, uh, the basic story of the witch trials. Um, well, Lobo, give us a history lesson about it as quickly as you can, because you're... <laughs> You're, you're the main guy up to speed on this because oh. this book ties into that. You know, okay. it, it goes right up to it. Okay. This is this is the skinny on what happened. And this is the dime store version. There were a bunch of girls. Uh, they were overreacting. They went to go see a doctor. The doctor ripped out this book that you're going to talk about. The book said, oh, it's witchcraft. And in all reality, it was most likely irrigate poisoning. And Tichuba probably wasn't as bad as everybody thinks she was. And at this point, I would usually drop the Monty Python skit from <laughs> Quest for the Holy Grail, but I'm not going to do that because I've used that too many times. <laughs> but this brings us to the Malice Maleficarium, which was a book that when the doctor couldn't figure out what was wrong with these kids, he was like, huh, hold on a minute. Ah, this book tells me that they're witches and that's the problem. So oh. that brings us to this book. And the book, you can still find it. There's a website you can go to. I'm actually going to pull it up here while we're recording it. It's... Uh, MaliceMaleficarium.org. Um, I'm not even going to attempt to find it. Yeah, I'll put it, I'll put it in the show notes if I can. You can do a Google search on it. You can find it. You can read the book online. There's some people that actually took the book and translated it to English. And for it's it's good for a read from a historical perspective if you really want to know about the Salem witch trials and things like that. This is an important piece of it that I'm going to talk about because it just doesn't get talked about that much. It's kind of glossed over. You know, you can dig for it. The information is not secret or hidden. It's out there. But um, basically what it was, it was a book on how to find witches. It was wrote in uh, 1484 by two German friars. The primary focus of it was on female witches. Again, it goes back to the femininity of it. Personally, I just think it was a couple of monks that were uptight with women for whatever reason. But hey. <laughs> uh, You're probably think, right. That's yeah. hysterical. <laughs> the Malus Maleficarium assert, uh, asserts that three elements are necessary for witchcraft. The evil intention witch the help of the devil, and the permission of God, which kind of throws me off a little bit there, but hey, this is when this was written. 
the treatise divided up into three sections. The first section t uh, tries to refute critics who deny the reality of witchcraft, thereby hindering its prosecution. The second section describes the actual forms of witchcraft, witchcraft and its remedies. The third section is to assist judges in confront and combating witchcraft. However, each of these sections has a prevailing theme to what witchcraft is and who is a witch. Primarily, it deals with if it's a female and it's acting pretty weird, I say it. It puts the lotion on its skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. No, but primarily, Seriously. well, she's probably a witch. Section one. Section one argues that because the devil exists and has the power to do outstanding things, witches exist to help if done through the aid of the devil with the permission of God. I don't quite understand that, and that sounds hokey to me, per with the permission of God. Well, you had to have – no, d not really. You had to have the permission of God because if you were we, – we all have free will according to the biblical context. We all have free will. Exactly, in, which is in what this order, is. Well, in order to be able to follow through with a quote-unquote satanic right, you need <laughs> the permission of God to be able to take back – your will and give it to the other master. Okay. Yep. Okay. The devil's it's crap. But the devil's yeah. power is greatest where human sexuality is concerned, for it is believed that women are more sexual than men. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's crap. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> women, why do I'm saying that word wrong? Ha, women had sex with the devil, thus paving their way to become witches. According to the malice, all witches come from carnal lust, which is which it in women is insatiable. <laughs> I'm married, so I know that's not true. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Section yeah. two: matters of practice and actual cases are discussed, and the powers of witches and their recruitment strategies. It states that it is mostly witches as opposed to the devil who do the recruiting by making something go wrong in the life of a respectable matron that makes her consult the knowledge of a witch or by introducing young maidens to tempting devils. It details how witches cast spells and remedies that can take can be taken to help prevent witchcraft or to help those who have been affected by it. Now, the line in there and remedies that can be taken to prevent witchcraft threw me off a little bit. And Lobo, you helped to explain that to me a little bit. But it still doesn't make any sense. Remedies that be can, can be taken to prevent witchcraft. If you're a witch and you want someone to become a witch, why would you want to have a remedy to prevent witchcraft? You want to be able to protect yourself against other witches. Okay. That's true, too. Yep. You, have, you always want to be able to cast within a circle of protection. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I know nothing of this. <laughs> and then section three section three is where things get real this section three well the whole book is how the stuff got started but section three was kind of like a how-to manual to start the salem witch trials section three is the legal part of the malice that describes how to prosecute a witch like you have to go and take the bar test to be able to <laughs> <laughs> the My arguments are made for lay magistrates to prosecute witches the two friars offer a step-by-step -step guide on how to conduct a witch trial from the method of initiating the process and assembling accusations to interrogation including torture of the witnesses and formal charging of the accused torture of the witnesses that's yeah. your key line right there and formal sure. charging of the accused women who did not cry during their trial were automatically believed to be witches women who didn't drowned i mean women who drowned were freed of witches if sure, you absolutely. floated you were a witch there's sure. so many weird things about this that are well, just screwy 
if you were uh, a witch and you were of ample frame, you're going to float. <laughs> uh, you're going to float. And I personally enjoy the women of ample frame. So huh. I guess I like witches. <laughs> <laughs> but this is where it came from. And then I found also as a side note, which I found rather kind of ironically amusing. In 1490, only three years after it's, it was published, the Catholic Church condoned mal the malice as a false. In 1558, yeah. the Spanish Inquisition dropped the uh, money. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> Inquisition cautioned its members not to believe everything the Maoist said, even when it presented apparently firm evidence. Yet, you would still see the Spanish Inquisition doing the whole you're a witch thing, you know. Well, no, so. no, 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 not you're a witch. No, no. They dropped that. It was you're a heretic. You're a savage. Yes. <laughs> but this book was wow. all about accusing women of being witches. They did talk about men, but not a whole lot. The women were the predominantly dominant thing without within the whole book as to resorting to witchcraft and what a well, witch was. because the men are heads with Christ. <sighs> yes. <Which they're> not. <laughs> I take it back to a couple of monks that were just hard up on women, I guess. <laughs> no. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's things. And women like, haters club? Like, how do yep. I identify witches if they had molds on their body? It was like, well, we need to strip you down and see if you have any molds on how many yeah. people do you know that don't have a mole on their body in some way, shape, or form? I know. You know <laughs> this this was a book, okay, well, you know, basically what they did is, okay, well, here's this book. It tells us how to do all this stuff, so, hey, let's just roll with it. But, well, here's this book that says we get to look at chicks naked, <laughs> and if they don't like it, they're witches. Well, I guess yeah, it wasn't right. really that big in circulation, but with the creation of the printing press, then it got put out there right. and it just went all over the place. I guess it was viewed differently in America than it was overseas. Oh, well, you got to realize that the people that came over here, it was doctrine. It was fact. You had you had Puritans, dude. Puritans were nuts. I live in New England. Trust me. They still have yeah. roots here. They were nuts. They were, you know, they they left. They left England for, you know, spiritual and religious freedom but yet came here and just like clobbered people with their spiritual freedom. It's it's it was it's weird. I, I, I kind don't, of have yeah. to wonder because of this book and because of the Salem witch trials. I tend to wonder if the, this book ended up, for lack of a better term, creating the problem that it preached against. Mm -hmm. it's because most of likely, book, you know, yeah, there was the devil was around every corner. Yeah, and because of because of this things like this book right here, people would be like, "Oh, well, if this is bad, then I'm going to do it." Mm -hmm. You know, yep. I tend to wonder if this, it's because of this situation, if things became even more amplified in what they were, and you have so many off branches of the Wiccan tradition and different kinds of witches and stuff like that. I mean, see, look yeah. at look, just just a sense of how how um foolish this whole thing was. During this period of time, we had women that were being you know killed, pressed, hung tortured okay for quote-unquote practicing some form of witchcraft meanwhile we had guys here that were practicing the art of buggery you know what that is that's screwing animals and they were given uh, slaps on the wrist so yes buggery yeah so yeah <laughs> there was so definitely disgusting. yeah there was definitely a fly in the ointment here <laughs> yeah see another thing now that we've talked about all this stuff, I'm also seeing a reoccurring theme. As I look through like the page I was reading off the different styles of witchcraft and stuff like that, I'm seeing this – it was something like Shush talked about earlier is where you're seeing in the 50s and 60s, you're seeing this reemergence of of these practices of, of witchcraft and Wiccan 
and these different forms, again, we'll use the blanket term witchcraft for all of these kinds of things, where it seems like in the 50s and the 60s, that was also where a lot of this persecution of this stuff began to get started again, because it seems like there was both a rebirth and a battle at the time to try to suppress this kind of stuff. Now, it seems like nowadays we've come to a point where it's not what it was before. It's not like we have people that are on, on the Facebook page that are practitioners and things like that, where we just kind of go, eh, you know, where it seems like now it's becoming more and more of an accepted thing, I guess, where maybe yeah. it's not, maybe it is. It I don't. Is. It's, it's more, you know, it's like, you know, just let them be whatever they want and, you know, we'll ignore it. Hopefully it'll go away. But unfortunately it's not going away. Mm -hmm. right. So, I mean, there's that. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to, I don't know. Personally, I wanted to ask, um, when I think of Wiccan, and I don't mean to, well, I guess it doesn't bother me if it offends anyone, honestly, but when I think of <laughs> We're Wiccan... We're not really here to offend anybody. We're just having a conversation no. about it, so, you know. Yeah, when I think of Wiccans, I don't think, because I identify myself more with being a pagan, and I don't think that w Wiccans are pagan. I mean, I, I know, like, the, the views on paganism is having like multiple beliefs and things. But to me, Wiccan is like the organized religion of witchcraft practitioners. Mm. And that's yeah. how I've always viewed that because it is. And, you know, there's very few of them that I meet that are welcoming to me at all. And, um, and I, I got into it um, uh, just a few weekends ago with the lady who was very, very Wiccan and, Oh, it's been passed down from generation to generation. I'm like, I'm like, how is that even possible? I'm like, <laughs> your religion hasn't existed that long, you know, but the pagans have been here, you know, and she didn't understand the difference. She goes, but that's what we are. I'm like, no, you're not, you know, you don't get this. And so when I hear, um, this, and especially this Pennsylvania, um, uh, hex magic stuff, that is so, I mean, it's incredibly fascinating. And uh, I've never heard of it until you told me about it. And I was just like, wow, I have. I mean, I'm sure there's more that we haven't heard of. But it's it's kind of funny when we hear about other practices that uh, I think that I've always heard of all of them. But really, I haven't, <laughs> I guess. There's so much out there. There's just a ton. And, you know, and I thought I knew, like, the really crazy ones because I got a little over my head for a while um, when I was a kid. And, um, oh, and trust so, me, sweetheart, there's stuff out there you ain't <laughs> never touched. Oh, I'm sure. And, <laughs> and that's one thing I do love. I have to say about Lobo is, um, uh, like, well, and both of you, honestly, but you know, I, cause I get, I've lost a lot of friends because how I am, you know, how I talk, how I'm very open about my beliefs or, you know, and stuff like that, or even make jokes like, you know, don't f with me, I'll put a spell on your ass, you know, and I'll just crack <laughs> jokes about it. Well, I've lost friends because of that stuff. And, um, and so it's nice to have it with you guys because you guys don't even think twice about it. You just know me, you know, mm -hmm. but with you Lobo, cause I was going through a really tough time that I I rarely find situations I can't get myself out of. And I was going through a tough time and Lobo kind of fixed it. <laughs> and, um, and it was <laughs> totally like, it was just like, so just a, a random act of kindness. And so I fell in love with this snowflake obsidian stuff. Cause I'm really used to using black tourmaline more and tourmaline mm -hmm. more and stuff. But this uh, snowflake obsidian has been amazing. And uh, my dreams have changed pattern. Like certain things have been happening. And um, 
And so I just think that the people that practice the magic that you need in your life, you draw to your life. Yep. And so, Always. and I don't know why I just went on this whole tangent. Well, I'm sorry, I think but... <laughs> I know what you're talking about because it's yeah. kind of like you see the same thing happen with, with religion. You see, right. it's, you can't no longer just say, hi, I'm a Christian because it becomes, I mean, we had this conversation <laughs> off the air too. It's like, right. it's like, hi, I'm a Christian. It's like, well, what do you, what do you mean? Are, are you, are you Baptist? Are you Pentecostal? Yeah. Are you Lutheran? Are you Protestant? Right. Are you and it's mm -hmm. the same thing that's happening with the magical traditions where oh, yeah. you can't just walk up and you can't walk up and say, hi, I'm a Wiccan. It's like, well, <laughs> I guess you could say that. But I guess practice. so. It's you like can't, you, yeah. can't, you can't say hi. I'm a pagan. Hi, I'm a wicked. Yeah. I'm a hedonist. Mm -hmm. I, you can't do any of it because it's, it's a, so it covers a lot. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> a blanket. It, it's a blanket term. Yep. So going back to what I was talking about with the thing and the reemergence of this stuff in the 50s and the 60s, you see if you go back and you follow the quote unquote newer traditions, everybody says, Oh, my tradition has been around for thousands of years. It's like, well do some digging. You'll probably find that it come around from the fifties and the sixties. Cause that right. was, you know, that's where people kind of started getting back into Crowley and you see the counterculture yep. going on. And this, this is where all this stuff really, I think up until that point, it wasn't as structured. And then, you know, people started reading these books and finding this stuff and that's where it all started splitting off. And it's kind of become, like you said, a thing now where it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm wicked. I'm so cool. And yeah. <laughs> well, here, yeah. I mean, I, I, there was uh -huh. one thing that I wanted to cover, but we're not we're, we're, we're quickly running out of time. So, yeah, I just saw just, the time. I'm like, oh, my just, God, where'd that go? <laughs> you just stated that, you know, we we pass on things and people say that their, their traditions come from generation after generation. And they really yeah. only came from like the 50s or the 40s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The the main tenets that I follow within my life comes from an order called the Magi. And the Magi were the people that came to visit the Christ child. Wow. They are the people that are spoken of in written form in cuneiform from at least the 4th century BC. Crazy. These are the guys that were known throughout Egypt and Mesopotamia as the magic practicing priests that predated Christianity. These are the ones that brought the Abrahamic covenant along with the naturalistic views of life. Dang. That's pretty awesome. Well, Those are the you know, main tenets that I follow in my life. I guess That'd be a nice the, uh... smack in the face. <laughs> 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 hey, I'm a Wiccan. Oh, really? Well, let me just tell you, <laughs> just break it down, freak them out. That's awesome. I guess before we end the show out here, we should give you a chance to give a shout out because you have a book out. Originally, that was why you were on the show way back was to promote your book. But you have a book yeah. out. You've got a couple of things that you're doing. You already talked about your television show that could possibly be in the works, yeah. which if that I'm does go through, we'll post it up. In our, we'll post it up on our Facebook page. Yay. Um, or you can post it on the, your part of our Facebook page. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Go ahead yep. and give a shout out for anything that you want to. My my book has done surprisingly well. I haven't honestly, I haven't paid attention to my book in a while because I have so much going on with starting my new business and everything. And um, and uh, all the proceeds from my book get donated to um, a company called For Healthy Boobies, and it's a nonprofit cancer breast cancer foundation. And so it's called Spells, Energy, and Meditation, and it's my take on things that I've learned since I've been young on um, safe ways to really practice magic energy energy work and meditations without getting in over your head 
people who have been practicing for a long time find some of the information useful. So, and I did it because I just needed to. And so, but I've been trying to work on a second edition to it and it's not coming along as quickly as I want it to, but I think I'm going to have to buckle down and really work on it more since some things are coming up now. So, but I love Is that book available on Amazon and all that stuff as well. Oh yeah. Sorry. It's a, uh, yep. You could just type in on Amazon, uh, Seth Browder, B-R-O-W-D-E-R. And it should pull up my book. I think it's on Barnes and Nobles. Uh, there's a couple of uh, the stores that carry it. Amazon's the best because I'm allowed to apply discounts on it there. So it's always discounted on there. Hey, babe, don't forget about House of Sandal. House of Sandal is um, a company that I started this last year and uh, reprodu- reproducing um, clothing and aprons from the 30s, 40s, and 50s, which now it's shot off into like pillowcases like and i use high quality fabrics and stuff and yeah he does i have uh, my apron and i love it yay yeah so we do (laughs) men women and and children's stuff and scarves and all kinds of stuff on ties and so it's really coming along and i love the fabric that we use i I try to exclusively use a handful of them so our patterns aren't seen in many places, you know, but but our company really shot off and I'm really proud of myself and it's taken almost every second of my life lately, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's all good. <laughs> well, so. thanks, sir. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Shush. We appreciate it. Your Shush oh. is your nickname. That's what you use on Facebook yep. as well. Uh, yep. uh, what's it mean? Little bear Shushioso means yeah. Um, shush in Navajo means bear, and then they also is. Uh, I was always called Little Oso growing up, so it's basically bear of bear literally nice. so that's what it means <laughs> well i guess that's our show this week uh that was pretty much covering magic and all forms of witchcraft for halloween halloween's always fun although i get creeped out isn't that so funny <laughs> do you ever get creeped out by like the stupidest things like i could see dead things walking around and not get creeped out but i can watch a stupid horror movie and get freaked out for a week <laughs> <laughs> like, like who who is like that <laughs> that's awesome it's, it's crazy to me but yeah so well, i love you guys thank you for everything no problem love you too shush peace man okay thanks guys and everybody have a good day okay thanks peace. okay bye Well, that was our Halloween special on witchcraft, sorcery, magic, call it what you will. Um, and that was Shush. Shush is a great guy. You know, he's Shush. he's become a real good friend of ours. He's got more stories on the horizon. He's got oh, some yeah, pretty crazy stories. <laughs> he, do, he really does. We've had a lot of conversations with him that involve pretty strange stuff. Yeah, we have. So, we're going to do one more show after this, and then I've got the music special that's going to be dropping on Halloween, thanks to the guys over Hefty. That show is completely done. It's already loaded up. I just have to actually post it to the page. But um, I'm going to be out of town in Kentucky for a couple of weeks, so that's going to give me and you some time off. But you guys are still going to be getting content in the meantime, because we've got one more show that we're going to try to throw down this week. So as you guys hear this, we've got one more show ahead of us, and we're recording in the daytime, which is unusual for us. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of like it actually. I'm, I'm Yeah, it's um, cool. It's nice. We're more we're more on our game a little bit more and everything. Mm. So. But uh that's this week's show. I guess that'll do it. Peace out from Detroit, folks. This is Lobo from Connecticut. Grab your knife, go out in the woods and bring your grigri bag.
Grigory bag? What's a, all right, hold on. What's a Grigory bag? A Grigory bag. Well, your Grigory bag is a small cloth bag that you would have your stones in along with any of your idols and fetishes that you'd carry with you. It would be um, Tiger's Eye, um, Snowflake Obsidian, Tourmaline, uh, Malachite, some, um, perhaps some petrified wood. And you'd just go out in the middle of you know the woods or wherever and put the blade in the ground, put your bag on the ground, and just sit and meditate. All right. I can't let you go. I have to ask you one more thing. No, because this has been brought up. We never discussed this on the actual show when we were talking with Shush. What is Snowflake Obsidian? You guys have kept bringing this up over and over again on how much of a positive factor it is. What is it? It's it's a, it's just a stone. It's 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 known as um, it's known as a witch stone, and it's it's a black stone. It's an obsidian stone. It means it's a, a lava rock. Um, it's the same obsidian was, it's what you was used in flint mapping to be able to make knives and hooks and, and blades. Mm-hmm. They used it for surgery and, and stuff like that. It's very sharp, but the stone itself is kept as like an amulet. You carry it with you. It, it, it brings about a positive mood if you believe in it. And again, it has to do with intent. And I happen to have, I, I mentioned it to a friend of mine who is, who's a, um, a geologist and just an all around rock nut. And I said, dude, I, I need to get a hold of some um, unpolished, uncut um, snowflake obsidian. And he showed up with a five-pound bag of uncut snowflake. And I'm like, whoa, all right, cool. And Shush was having some problems. And uh, I talked to him, and I sent him out some snowflake obsidian, and I sent him a small vial of garnet sand so hmm. just to help him out. All right, well, I guess that's it. You can, uh, I guess we can finish out the show now. All right, man. Peace. Peace out, folks.
double, double, toil and trouble. Fire, burn, and cauldron bubble. <laughs> Not bad. Lamb sakes, I almost forgot the most important ingredient. Oh, the little darling's still asleep. Wake up. Wake up. <laughs> What's up, Zsa-Zsa? Zsa-Zsa? Oh, you're sweet. <laughs> <laughs>